0: I brought my phone up because I couldn't see a clock and I forgot my watch, but I see that you have your minister (laughs) well-trained. No, it is good to be here tonight. Um, I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Greenford for his kind words of welcome. Not only is he a friend of my father and a friend of us, but he's also my minister when I was first married. And I was just thinking that is about 20 years ago and he doesn't look a day older than he did then. Maybe he looked old then. I don't know. But, <laughs> but it is good to be with you tonight. I'd like to thank your minister and session as well for the invitation to come along and to give a personal word of testimony. And that last hymn was very, very apt. My testimony is all about the grace of God. I'm only a sinner, but I'm a sinner saved by grace. And there's nothing in me I did not deserve. One bit of it. There's nothing good that God said in me that he would save me. But it's all of grace. And that's the central doctrine of salvation. The grace of God. I know if you're here tonight or you're online and you're not saved, you tonight can receive the grace of God. You can sing that hymn, by this night is over. I'm only a sinner. Saved. What a wonderful word, saved by grace. If you open your Bibles to Second Corinthians, I don't believe in chance. I believe in providence. And um, Reverend Greenfield actually mentioned this in opening the service, this passage. And I always apply this passage um, to my testimony. It's a subject very close to my heart, And that's becoming a new creature in Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll commence reading from the first 17 to the end of the chapter. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things will become new. And all things are of God, who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, And have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Not imputing their trespasses unto them. And have committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead. Be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amen. And we just bow our heads and ask for the Lord's help and presence, even uh, as I give my testimony. O Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the Word of God. Lord, we thank you for this passage that we've read and Lord. We thank you for the grace of God that indeed reconciles sinners to Christ. Lord, we thank you that there's a way, there's a means for sinners to be saved. And, oh, Lord, I just pray that even as I witness to the saving grace of God in my life, Lord, that some dear sinner would even come to thee. Lord, that you'd speak to them. Lord, we know when God speaks, it's irresistible. And, oh, Lord, we pray for the call of God to go out tonight And Lord, that we'd hear some news of a dear soul being wonderfully saved. So Lord, bless us tonight. Be with us. May we know thy presence in a special way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As Mr. Greenfield has mentioned, I have been born into the manse. Um, My father um, was a free Presbyterian minister all his days. He's now retired. And... You know, as you can imagine, I heard the gospel from since I can remember. The Free Presbyterian Church has been my life all my days since I can remember. And I knew the need of my salvation since a young boy. I have three brothers and we would be sent to churches um, every Sunday. We'd be sent to the youth fellowship, Sunday school. We always had family worship. I remember when we lived in Ballygown, every night after our dinner, my father would have got us around and would have had family worship, and he would have made us sing the doxology at the end of it. And I can tell you, I'm not a chanter like Mr. Greenfield. Um, But my mates around about, who played football and all, knew this. And every now and again, you see the wee heads pop up watching us sing, But you know, I thank God for saved parents. What a blessing to be brought up in a Christian home. What a blessing for your parents having a desire to see you saved. And a young person, if you're here tonight and maybe you don't want to be, maybe you prefer to be somewhere else, but your parents have said, I want you to go out, thank God. Thank God for loving parents. And my dad always used to say that he prayed for his children before they were even born. And that was his prayer as he was married. He said, Lord, if you bless us with children, save them. You know, at the age of nine, we had just came back from Canada. We came back, and Mr. Greenfield went out. And we went to the bond bridge when Mr. Greenfield left bond bridge. I don't know if they had a deal together, him and my dad. Um, but we had just came back from um, Canada and I remember we were living in my aunt's house in Lurgan because the manse in Ballygown wasn't ready I remember coming home from the Sunday night service travelling from Ballygown to Lurgan I remember as usual me and my brothers fighting in the back seat my dad giving them the threat don't make me turn this car around and the usual but I remember getting into my aunt's house and I was upstairs And my dad was upstairs, and as my dad walked past the room, I said, Dad, can I speak to you? And out of the blue, I said to my dad, I wanted to get saved. Now, to this day, I don't know what made me say that. I I don't have much recollection recollection of it. But there at the side of the bed, I I got on my knees, and I asked uh, Jesus Christ in my heart, However, there was no change in my life. I remember the next morning we got up and we went to the Bible shop, and my dad bought me a Bible, and I put in the front of it the date that I was saved, but there was no change. And from that moment, I never had assurance of salvation. It tells us in Ezekiel 36 and the first 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. You see, salvation not only saves the soul, but it changes the life. There's a false gospel preached today called easy believism say a few words put the ticket to heaven in your back pocket and carry on with your sinful life that's not true biblical salvation it tells us in Second Corinthians as I've read when someone is truly saved they have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost and there's a change in their life Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. There should be a desire for God's word. There should be a desire for prayer. There should be a desire for service. There should be a fight against sin. There should be repentance. There should be a new creature. There was no change in my life. I had no time for the Bible. I had no time for church, I, if I'm being honest, I didn't enjoy going to it. And even at a young age, I remember playing football in Ballygan and I had such a foul mouth. One of the things I really hated was people knowing that I was a minister's son. I hated that title. And I would go out of my way to prove that I wasn't the good wee minister's son. I wanted to be that rebellious teenager. You know, say school days are the best days of your life. Um, and if you're young here, close your ears. But I hated school. Me and school just did not work. And I hated school. And I couldn't wait to leave school. And at the age of 16, I, I got out of school as quickly as I could... And I, I started an apprenticeship in shorts in Bombardier, or Spirit now, it's changed that many times, I can't remember the name of it, when I was 16. And you know, I was still living that double life. We had moved to Bridge and I got new friends that were Christians that belonged to the church. And you know, they all thought I was a Christian, they all thought I was saved. And I'd be at the Youth Fellowship, and um, even sometimes I'd be found sitting in the prayer meeting and I just used to sleep through it. But in work, what a different creature I was. I was gambling, playing cards every lunchtime, I was using bad language, I was being the lad. If any of my work colleagues if, had, if anybody had said to my work colleagues, be sure Johnny's a Christian, they would laugh because there was no evidence of Christianity in my life. However, as I've said, when I look back on my life, step by step, I can see the grace of God. You know, I had saved parents. I was taught the Bible since a child. Now, as I was getting older, I was in the workplace. God put godly men in front of me. There was a man called Lewis from the Iron Hall, he's an elder in the Iron Hall. And when I was an apprentice, we went into the welding shop meeting another apprentice. And Lewis used to preach to me. And I remember when I left, he'd give me a wee Bible. And he always used to warn me of my need of salvation. And then I was moved to a different part of the factory. And one day I was walking past and i seen this wee man sitting on a machine. And he was working away at the machine and he was always singing hymns. And I recognized every hymn, and I thought to myself, he's bound to be a free pee. I have to stay away from him. I don't want him to know who I am. And so I used to avoid him. But one day I was working away, and I looked up, and there's that wee man standing looking at me. And he said, Are you Jonathan Whiteside? You know, I was so close to telling him a lie. I was going to say, No, I don't know who's Jonathan Whiteside. But I didn't. I said, Yes. And he goes, I know your father. He says, my name is Sammy Bede. He says, I'm the clerk of session in Porto Vogue. And so me and Sammy struck a friendship up. And Sammy knew exactly how I stood. Sammy was not fooled at all. And he used to preach the gospel to me. I remember when he was leaving um, shorts. And he was a shop steward. And he had a lot of respect throughout the factory. And the men had got him a present and they're presenting him the present and there was maybe two or three hundred men standing there and they presented him the present and he said look before I go he says I want to leave the gospel with you one more time and he stood with such boldness preaching to those ungodly men hard men from Belfast and he gave it to them And I remember I couldn't even say cheerio cheerio to him. I I walked away with the tears tripping me, even uh, back then. You know, I found out very early in life that life can be cruel. And I remember getting a phone call one day of a friend that I went went to school with. We sat beside each other nearly in every class. And At the age of 18 years old, he was tragically killed in a car accident. Coming home one night from uh, a pub. I know young people, can I warn you tonight? You're not guaranteed of another hour. You don't know what's around the next corner. And can I ask you, if that was you, where would you be? Where would you be? Heaven or hell? I started when we moved to Bridge, I, I used to play football on a, a Tuesday and Thursday night, and it wasn't very good. And there are some fellas here tonight that could probably vouch for that. Um, but we used to play football with a group of people on a Tuesday and a Thursday night. I remember one night the fellas said, Look, we're going to the coach in Bambridge. He says, Johnny, do you want to come with us? Now I knew there's no way I could go to the coach if anybody found out that I was in the coach my dad would get into trouble. However, they said, look, we'll sneak you in. Nobody will see you. You can stay at our house. Come on to the coach with us. And so I went to the coach with them that Saturday night. And to be honest, I I can't remember too much of it. Um, I, I drank that much. But yet I was found in church the next day as if nothing had happened. And so it started in Bowen Bridge, I'd frequent the nightclubs, trying to avoid getting back to my father. And I started to drink heavier and heavier. And then one night at the football, there was a a group of um, friends that said, we're going to Kelly's nightclub in Port Rush. And you know, they said, Johnny, do you want to come along? And I said, okay. And he said, look, stay at our house once again. And so I went with them uh, up to Port Rush uh, to Kelly's. And I remember sitting in the back of the car and the fellow to my right brought out a bag of drugs, a bag of ecstasy tablets. And he says, Johnny, well, do you want one? And I, I says, no. I says, yeah, I might drink, but there's no way I'm touching drugs. But he kept at me and he kept at me. I'll never forget it. He got one. And it was smaller than a paracetamol. And he broke it in half. He says, how can that do so much damage? And to get him off my back, I foolishly took that drug. The half became one. The one became two. Got, the drugs got heavier. The partying got heavier. And my life, truly spiralled out of control. And you know, the devil will take you further than you're ever willing to go. If somebody had said to me that I'd be abusing drugs, being brought up in the mants, I would have laughed at them. But the devil took me further than I was willing to go. And my life truly spiralled out of control. There was one night, it was New Year's Eve in Kelly's nightclub and it was a big night we would saved up we went out shopping really looking forward to it and so we made our way up to Kelly's in Port Rush and I remember standing on the dance floor and people were had taken that much drugs and dancing to the music when you stood on the dance floor your feet nearly left the ground people were dancing that hard I remember standing in the middle of that floor, and once again I had substance in me, and all of a sudden, out of the blue, I started to think of John 3 and 16. I started to think of a a Bible verse that I was taught as a child God's grace. It tells us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8 that God commendeth his love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And there, in that nightclub, I started to think of a memory first, John 3 and 16. And I started to put my name in that first, for God so loved Johnny that he gave his only begotten son for Johnny. And you know, I sobered up immediately. And I said to the fellows I was with, look, I, I want to go home. I'm not feeling well. I've had enough. I, I want to get home. And so I got home, and I thank God I never, ever put my foot in that nightclub again, And I also never touched another drug. God was dealing with me. God's grace. I remember, there was one moment I called my father's greatest sermon. It was four words. And I'd been out the night before. It was a Sunday afternoon. And I came in, and my, I was talking, my parents were sitting in, we called it the good room, and both of them were reading, and I walked in just to say hello, and they says, well, what did you get up to last night? And Of course, I made lies up, I was staying at a friend's house in a caravan, and they had no idea, and as I was just about to walk out, my dad stopped and he says, Johnny, he calls me Jonathan, actually, Jonathan says, the Lord loves you. And I went to my room. And a grown man, I sobbed. I sobbed what my father had just said. The thought of what my father had just said. You know, I wanted to get away from my old life. I wanted to get away from the group of friends I was with. And I planned to go um, to work in England, uh, contracting in the aviation world. I said, I'll get away, I'll make a few pounds, and I'll get enough money to buy a house, and I'll get away from this lifestyle, and I'll start again. And you know, just before I was about to go, a fellow out of the church says, Johnny, would you come to the Easter convention with me? And I says, no. And to be honest, I wasn't going to church much, and I didn't even have a suit. I says, no, no. And he goes, come on, come with me. And so to get him off my back, I said, right, I'll go with you to the Easter convention. And so we went on the Friday night, and you'll never guess, I met a girl. <laughs> and I seen this girl, and I, I got her number, he called her Lee, and um, she, I phoned her up a couple of times, and then she gave me her address, and so I arranged to go and pick her up. And so I drove to Porto Vogue, and I knocked at the door, and you'll never guess who answered the door. Remember that wee man? In short, Sammy, well, it was his daughter. And Sammy was standing with a walking stick, thumping it in his hand. He says, right, my boy, I want a word with you. And I was panicking. I thought he was going to knock me out. And so, but of course, he was joking, and he was glad uh, to see me. And, you know, I started to go out with Lee, and it was a good distance between Bridge and Porto Vogue. So Sammy and Shirley yeah, it used to pick me up. I used to sleep on the sofa, uh, and Shirley would have made me my lunches, cleaned my clothes for me. She treated me like her son, but there was one condition, and the condition was on a Sunday, I would go to church with them. God's grace and God's mercy in my life. I kept trying to run away from God. God kept grabbing me, pulling them back to Him. You know, I remember me and Lee got engaged, and Mister Goods was the minister at the time, and we asked Mister Goods if he had Marius, and he says, "Well, before I agree, I want to interview you, and I want to make sure that you're equally yoked." And so we went around to the manse one Sunday afternoon. It started off okay. I went in, Mrs. Goods, lovely cup of tea, wee bun. I thought this was going okay. And then Mr. Goods looked at me. He says, Right, Johnny and Lee, I want to ask you some questions. And he says, I'll start with you, Johnny. And he looked me straight in the eye. He says, Johnny, where would you be if you died? And immediately in my head, I said, Hell. I said, Mr. Goods, you know, I made a childhood profession when I was nine, and he stopped me on my tracks, and he says, By their fruits, you shall know them. He asked Lee the same question, and Lee was in the same circumstance as me. And, you know, from that day, I fell under conviction. You know, I loved sports cars, and I still do. And back then, I um, I had a wee Renault 5 turbos, and I had all these wee sports cars, and I couldn't get them to go fast enough. But from that day, I was terrified even in the car. I wouldn't even drive without a seatbelt. I was terrified of dying. I remember even lying on my bed, a grown man, thinking of those words. Those words were echoing in my head. Where would you be if you died? And hell kept ringing in my ears. What a thought! What a thought to die and to end up in hell. No escape. All chances gone. An eternity of torment. What a terrifying thought. It's Easter 2000. And the Reverend Harton was preaching that Sunday. And on the Sunday night, he spoke on the topic of procrastination. And as he was speaking it felt as if there was nobody else in the congregation. I actually was getting cross because I felt that he was picking on me. Of course, like Mr. Greenfield, he knew my dad, he knew me, he knew the story, he knew my story, he knew what I was about. And I felt as if he was picking on me, I was getting angry. And at the end of his message, as he was speaking about procrastination, at the end of his message... He reached over the pulpit and he pointed and he said young man what if tomorrow never comes? Where will you be? Where will you spend eternity? And I can assure you the confection was weighing me down. I couldn't wait to get out of the church fast enough and as me and Lee were going up the road going to her mum and dad's house, out of the blue, Lee said to me, says, Johnny, I need to get saved. I was taken back. And I looked at her and I says, well, Lee, if you get saved, you know that I can't marry you. And she says, well, that's up to you, but I need Christ. There's Johnny Whiteside, brought up in the mounts, taught the gospel as a child. And the person that he loves dearest wants to come to Christ. And he's trying to talk her out of it. That's the foul creature I am. I'm a filthy sinner. I don't deserve one bit of God's grace. We went up to the house. She went in and she said to her dad, That she wanted to get saved. And so they went to another room. And on a Sunday night. It was always a big uh, supper. All the family came. And I remember sitting in the good room. And they must have seen it in me. Because nobody else was in the room. They are all sitting in the kitchen. Or sitting in other rooms. And I was sitting in the room myself. And as I sat in that seat. I started to think. Of the grace of God in my life. I started to think of all the goodness. Of God in my life. I started to think of the gospel. I started to think of the verses I was taught as a child. And the only way I can put it. Is that God reached down. And grabbed me from the clay, And I came to Calvary. And I thought of the price that was paid for me. I was broken. I got up and I met Lee and Sammy in the hall and Lee said that she had got saved. And Sammy says, Johnny, what about you? And I was broken. And I said, Sammy, I know what I need to do. And I went down to a room. I got to the side of the bed and I prayed from my heart, Lord, save me. Come into my heart. Come into my life. And change me. And he did. That night. Easter Sunday 2000. Johnny Whiteside. Became a new creature in Christ. The old things have passed away. Behold all things. Have become new. My life changed. There was a difference this time. I had and still do have full assurance in Christ. And my desires had changed. No longer had the desire for the world. A desire, I had a desire for God's word. I had a desire for the place of prayer. I had a desire for service. I had a burning heart to see other people saved. I changed, not because any good me, because God had changed me. God had saved me. And he made me a new creature in Christ. You know, some preachers you'd hear on the telly would say, well, you get saved and you're going to become a millionaire and everything's going to be perfect. And Well, that's not the case. And we all go through valleys. Uh, one particular time, was particularly difficult, was... In November 2015, when my third son, Ezra, was born. And my wife took seriously ill. And at one stage they asked me to call for her parents, and I thought I'd lost her. And I remember holding Ezra, my wife seriously ill, and I didn't know whether she was going to pull through or not. And that feeling, that anxiety... I thought, what am I going to do if I lose her? And it was as if a voice said in my ear, Johnny, be still and know that I am God. That's how I know I'm saved. Through the darkest time, the great paraclete draws close and pulls me through it. Then, early 2016, my eldest son, Reuben, complained, of a sore foot, and there was like a growth on the bottom of his foot, and we brought him to doctors, and it kept growing, and eventually it became so bad that he couldn 't walk on it, and it was a tumor in his foot and for many a night we didn 't know what was going to happen. We prayed that the Lord would heal him, and he went for surgery and to be honest, the doctors were convinced it was cancerous. And they opened the sole of his foot. And the tumour rolled out like the size of a golf ball. And they were able to cut it away and stitch it up. And it was, wasn't cancerous. And they were shocked. They were surprised. They said that, well, he'll never walk right again because they cut tendons and different things. And they were wrong. And he plays rugby and he plays football and it didn't hinder him at all. God's goodness. God's goodness in my life. You know, as I finish, I said that verse in 2 Corinthians is very close to me. Why? Because I'm convinced that there's many more like I was in the Free Presbyterian Church. People who profess the name of Christ, but they're not new creatures. And just as Mr. Goodes challenged me, as I close, I want to challenge you. Where would you be if you were to die tonight? Where would you open your eyes? Heaven or Hell imagine standing before God hearing those terrible words depart from me I never knew you but you know just as I did you can correct that tonight you right now where you sit can simply bow your head and cry unto God and simply say Lord save me make me a new creature in Christ. I pray tonight that you'll do it, and someday you'll stand up behind this pulpit preaching and telling others about the wonderful grace of God in your life.
1: I want to thank Johnny very much indeed tonight for coming, bringing that personal word of testimony. Thank God for his faithfulness to the Word of God, his truthfulness, frankness, and thank God for the the grace of God. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that leadeth us to repentance. And God has been good, and God has wrought a work of grace in our brother's heart. Just going to bow together, please, in a wee word of prayer. Can I just say, if there is someone you're concerned about your soul and where you will be in God's eternity. Then, friend, even as the folk have a cup of tea, come and speak to Brother Jonathan or myself, or maybe another Christian that you know here in the meeting, only too glad to talk with you, read God's word, pray with you, and show you from God's word how you can be saved, how you can be sure that you're saved, how that you can know that your sins are forgiven. And that it is well with your soul. But don't leave the meeting without getting right with God. Father in heaven, we thank thee again tonight for thy presence with us. We thank thee, Lord, for thy servant. We thank thee, Lord, again for the grace of God in his life. We thank thee, Lord, we can sing with a hymn writer, Amazing grace, or sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind. Thank God, now I see. Lord, we thank thee tonight for the grace of God that bringeth us salvation. And we just pray, Lord, that you'll bless that word of testimony to every heart and that some dear precious soul may come as a sinner to Jesus and be saved for time and for eternity. We pray also, Lord, that you will bless our fellowship together. We thank thee, Lord, for the good things that have been prepared. And we pray, Lord, that you'll bless us. May we eat and drink to thy glory and later, O God, that you'll separate us with thy blessing and take us all to our homes in safety. We thank thee, Lord, for these good things that have been provided for the hands that prepared them. And, Lord, we just ask you now to bless our fellowship together, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Jonathan, myself, will go down to the door just in case someone maybe has to leave.